Welcome to the Evolution Exchange podcast. We bring together the best technical leaders to discuss industry passions, challenges, and ideas. Um, I'm David McPherson, and I'm your host for today. I connect businesses with talented DevOps and cloud professionals across the UK. I'm delighted to say that we're joined today by a fantastic panel to talk about high-performing platform engineering teams. Before we get into the discussion, let's make some introductions. Uh, Hussein? Yep. Hi. Uh, I'm Hussein Anjum. Um, I'm the director of uh, platform engineering and, and delivery. Um, I work for uh, Wallpay, and Wallpay is the biggest payment uh, payment sort of provider acquirer in the UK. Uh, we take over seventy percent of all transactions, even if not directly. Uh, quite a lot of transactions come through us to be processed uh, via all the banking infrastructure that we have in place. Um, and yeah, that's it. Brilliant. Thanks for saying. And Catalin. Hi, everyone. My name is Katarina Stojovic. Um, I have 15 plus years of experience in software development. Um, I started as an individual contributor, navigated through the technical leadership roles from early on. And my experience is predominantly with corporate environment and financial services industry. Recent roles, director of software engineering, head of engineering. I currently work at Capco, which is a, which is a technology and management consultancy company. Um, and yeah, happy to be here. Brilliant. Thank you, Kat. And, and last but not least, Rita. Hi, my name's Rida Hamid. I'm Director of Engineering at Vonage, um, a company that was recently, at the beginning of this year, acquired by uh, Ericsson. Um, I work in the API department, which provides telecommunications APIs, whether that's SMS, video, um, voice APIs, uh, and specifically leading the platform engineering team within, or teams within that. Um, I have uh, 24 years, I think, of experience, um, starting off as a Java programmer in Java 1.4, which uh, was, shows how long ago that was, um, and have gone through multiple roles, um, including consultancy in recent years. And I'm really happy to be here. Right. Thank you very much, everyone. Let's move on to the topic. Um, you all have a question on building high-performing platform engineering teams. I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your questions and the reason behind it. Uh, and each of you will obviously have an opportunity to discuss on that point. Um, so let's kick things off uh, with, Hussein, uh, with yourself, Hussein, if we could have your question, please. Sure. Um, so my question is, um, how, do we, how do you ensure members, your team members are being challenged to deliver targets daily and weekly? And also, you manage to keep them trained and upskilled in the newest technology at the same time. Uh, as we all know, infrastructure is uh, infra delivery or just any uh, technology delivery is constantly evolving. So we want to keep delivering at a good cadence. And uh, how do we keep them up to date with all the, the tools that seem to come out every other week? Brilliant. Um, Cass, if you would like to, to give us your viewpoint on that, and then we'll, we'll swing back around uh, to finish off on Hussein's opinion on, there, on, on that point. Sure, sure, I'm happy to do that. Um, so I think the, the, the balancing the, the challenge of meeting regular targets, ensuring team members are also trained and the latest technologies is, is a, indeed a tricky one. Um, it requires planning and commitment to, to, to continuous learning. And I think from, from my experience and, and from, from the companies that I've worked in the past, this is where you can really easily differentiate between um, companies who are really invested in, in creating a continuous learning uh, environment with the organizations and, and, and companies who are not as forward thinking as that. I think there's, there's, there's multiple things there that really, really are able to help with that. Um, 
I think the most basic one is, is having some sort of learning plans, right? So implement individual learning plans aligned to whatever the company's technology direction, um, the individual's role and the career goal is. Obviously, there needs to be an, an intersection. Um, an intersection, And I say this more of a diagram when it comes to how, how to choose the, the, the right learning plan as well. It's not just giving people the options of choose focusing on this technology or the other, but is is looking at where what companies' interests are, what what, what is it that we, we're good at, what we want to uh, go and, and, and achieve from a company perspective, um, then match it up with what the individual's um, role and career goal aspirations is, and and also looking at what individuals are actually good at, right? What what, what is their passion and what 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 was their success? Because I think if you look at that Venn diagram, you'll probably get better results from from using like I said, basing things like, like learning plans. And what I've seen it works as well is integrating learning into their work as well. So encouraging learning as a part of daily work, um, allowing time for learning within the work schedule, encourage things like pair programming, um, knowledge sharing, brown-back sessions, however we want to call it, depending on the context they're in. Um, implement regular tech talks, what team members presenting technologies, approaches um, to others. I think also coming back to people's point of view, um, it is quite important to understand, for, especially for leaders in organizations, for, for managers to understand the learning preference of individuals. Right? Because not, not everyone likes to be in front of 100 people and, 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 and talk about the, the latest uh, technology demo that they, they, they've done, right? So as managers, I think it's important from our point of view as well to understand the learning preference. I'm talking here about simple things like VLOG, um, visual, auditory, read, write, and kinesthetic uh, learning preferences as well, uh, which help in us finding the best the best way forward when it comes to um, how, how do we encourage people to learn as well. Um, there's other things as well, right, is things around the, the creating the, the learning um, culture, right? Um, if, if learning is indeed important, then it should be part of regular feedback, of, of the regular OKRs, for example, as well. Um, and, and then there's kinds of things around the learning resources and providing access from an organization point of view to what, what, whatever people need to, to go through in order to achieve the, the, the learning direction that we want to, to achieve as well. Um, project rotation, so it helps as well. Um, so having people rotate between different projects or teams, economies, as they're called as well, um, exposes people to different technologies, um, ways of working, problem-solving approaches as well. You need, you need in the end to have a supportive environment. So um, to foster an environment where questions, experimentation, even mistakes are part of the learning process as well. Um, I think that's that's my initial thought when it comes to resources of, of, for trying to help people upskill, but also deliver on the targets as well. Brilliant. Thanks for that, Kat. Uh, and Rita, your, your, your view and opinion on that? So I think the first thing I would I would point out is um, engineering, uh, whether that's product engineering or platform engineering, can suffer from um, uh, uh, what, I, what I call a disease of becoming a feature factory. There's a danger of becoming a feature factory where our whole goal and our measures of success becomes what is our output? How much can we deliver? How often can we deliver? What is it we're delivering? And that the success is what did you do last week and how much did you do last week? And that's a real danger. Um, I've seen that in all my years and no matter how much we can talk about it no matter how much we do talk about it it's gonna still happen but nonetheless we should be cognizant of it and really really 
spend a lot of time trying to avoid that. And the reason why I say that, um, I'll give you an analogy. Um, my parents, uh, oh, I was born in Libya and my parents are Libyan, so I go visit Libya quite often. And I think it's probably the case with a lot of countries outside of the UK, but driving in Libya is an absolute uh minefield you know uh, just just surviving a day while driving is brilliant um and then one of the, one of the things that you find over there what i found over there it was absolutely fascinating when i'm driving along is you know in the uk we're going to leave a car two cars with uh two cars uh gap between the car in front for safety it, it ensures that we don't get traffic we don't get congestion we're moving along at constant speed but that's wasted space in Libya. You know, that's wasted. A car's got to come in between and then another car. And then when you have three lanes, you're going to get cars in between of those. So rather than three lanes, you get five car widths apart. And that causes the chaos and damage. And that's why becoming that feature factory of focusing on those weekly targets, for example, is dangerous. Now, the reason why I say that going to your second part of your question, Hussein, which I find fascinating, and it's one that I haven't actually managed to 100% solve the, the, the learning bits, um, which is why I always find this a fascinating dilemma, is that when we focus on what we're trying to do, which is the objective of the platform engineering team, uh, and, and we'll go on to it a little bit later on, but with, for me, a platform engineering team or teams are about making product engineering more effective so that we are continuously or constantly delivering products that delight the customer, then we start to understand it on that basis that just because we're not delivering features, there are other ways that we can delight the customer. And that will include continuous learning. That is a very important part of being able to deliver features that delight, being able to deliver a platform that makes uh, product teams uh deliver features that delight and you put that in place that's one of the things but going to what you said Kat I think those objectives need to be more specific as well only because as humans and as engineers it's very easy for us to fall back to the um, mode of I've got time on my hands I see something there I'm going to go off and, and and deliver that feature and that's not the goal so put in very specific measures in there whether that's um, every team must have half a day uh, each week or every two weeks or whatever your metric might be or half a day a month of doing a group learning exercise or every every individual must spend, uh, uh, must share their learning once a quarter or once a year or twice a year, something very specific. We put that in place to really make it obvious and that's really, really important. But without ever losing sight of it's all to do with, yes, as individuals helping to improve individuals, but as a platform engineer, we're trying to produce products that delight, features that delight. And we can't do that if we're still using mainframes, you know, because that's that's the in essence where we are. Right. If we were using if we didn't learn, we'd still be using the mainframes and we're not producing those features. Like so it's really, really important to put that into place. And I think that that's that's where I focus on being able to build those platform engineering teams and put that in there. Lastly, and probably the most important thing, um, really push our execs to include training budget as not a luxury, but as uh, part of the budget that needs to be included. But that those are the kind of the practical ways of doing it. But still focusing on that 
objective of what a platform engineering team is for. And I think it's really important that it shows as a company, as, as a top-down leadership structure, it shows that you care, right? If we just talk about it and we say, yeah, people have 40 hours per year, but if you look at the statistics and they don't use half of that, uh, that something is wrong. Something is is, is valid in, in, in the opportunity, right? So that, that that was my point as well as trying to make it part of the either the performance management system or either the DOKRs is is you showing us later that we care about this and this is important. And I think this is how you get to get results as well. I, I totally agree. And it needs to be measured. I think your point is absolutely that right as well. When we're doing this, it can't just be you've got half a day a month, go off and use it anyway. No, no, I want to find out that you're doing it. Not not because uh, I don't trust you because I want to make sure it happens. And I want to also show, and I've used this for my teams recently, actually, I want to show it actually has no detrimental effect to us producing features. I don't believe that spending half a day a month means we're going to produce half a day's less of work a month. I believe it will actually increase our productivity. It will improve our productivity. Getting that as a measurement and a real actual measurement allows us to be able to go, look, last month, we were doing, uh, we, oh, no, let's, I'll make it up. We did 10, 10 really nice features. This month, we spent uh, 10 man days, 10 people days doing courses. And we've still done 10 really nice features. Productivity hasn't changed, but we've now learned more and done better. So I think measurement is absolutely vital there, Kat. So we, we shouldn't avoid that by any, by any stretch. Brilliant. Thanks, Rita. And, and Hussein, your, your point? Yes, so uh, excellent points, Rita and um, Kat. Uh, so what I would like to say about the first part of the question about challenge, you know, the challenge team to deliver better. In my 10 years at WorldPay, uh, when I first started as, a, as an architect, what I noticed that I would write a design uh, of, of a certain product, put it on some SharePoint site, and someone will have be responsible to deliver it. That might take two and a half, two years to deliver. Since that things changed and I had the opportunity to be in my current role over the last uh, three, four, five years, uh, what I've done is uh, is to implement infrastructure teams closer with the dev test teams. And I think that's what I've found has made the biggest difference and provide better cadence of delivery. And what we're trying to do is build a systems team which has the skill sets are needed, whether that's in infrastructure, whether it's in data centers or delivering DevOps or whatever it might be. You're closer to dev teams and test teams, and then you can work on KPIs and deliver quicker. I agree with Rita yourself about, you know, you everything will become a feature and it's all about delivering features. And that, that that's actually has become the reality in somewhat because infrastructure had to evolve, not being on a side, becoming waterfall of some sort of, you know, long, long lived, uh, you know, agile methodology. Uh, instead, with what we use, SAFE, we allow the system team to be closer to development, provide feed you know, define features so we can deliver them and show progress every two weekly cadences. But, you know, that doesn't work all the time because some features can't be delivered in two weeks. So they might take two sprints or four or three sprints or whatever it might be. But I think that's how I made the team more engaged and, you know, changing the dynamic of how they deliver long term. So that was the first part of how, how we kind of worked over. I'm not saying it's a perfect solution. There isn't a perfect one, but that seems to be working better. Um, in terms of uh, keeping team skilled that again it's it's a difficult one i agree with your points both can right, that you know the the budget needs to be you know like a must it's not like a luxury it's not anything like that but how do we get the teams 
doing those courses. So in the past, I'm sure you've been on, we all used to go on like one or two weeks, you know, courses where we would do certain things and we will spend a week learning uh, a, a certain skill set. Don't think that, I think those days are gone. I don't see many people going on one week courses. Uh, there's a continuous learning thing that's happening in WorldPay that, you know, I'm trying to push my team to do. A lot of it is self-learning. So a lot of my team is actually happy with subscription to things. So whether it's Udemy, whether it's Pluralsight, whether it's something else, um, uh, sorry, uh, Cloud Guru is another one. Uh, you, you give them a subscription, you give them time. Uh, every quarter, we give them a week. We have something called a innovation and learning sprint. So we give the team some time to innovate. When I, when I say innovation, we do things like hackathon, give them an opportunity to show some new skill set that they've learned, but also give them time to learn things as well. So whether they've gone Cloud Guru or with one of those Pluralsight or Udemy, whatever, pick up a course, do it, um, you know, and 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 then showcase that whether there's a hackathon or some sort of a some sort of a, a lunch and learn session, uh, and uh, yeah, and the other thing that I try to be the more advanced or senior members of teams do a session with the junior members and show them how things are done on a certain product set, whether it's in the cloud or on-prem, but it tends to be a lot more on the cloud these days that where the teams are, you know, uh, learning a lot, a lot more tools that are new and, uh, you know, more exciting. And that's how we've sort of tried to get to that level where we can learn in the best efficient way possible rather than sending teams off for a week and seeing if they learn anything or not on, on, a, on a course. So, yeah, that's my opinion on that. I think it's an important point as well. The whole learning thing we we treat it as a um, uh, or it can be treated as a luxury, something nice to have, as opposed yeah. to the way you you're treating it, where it's not it's not a luxury. It's something really important to do. Because if you were to put it the other way, to be able to get those skills and those learnings and the different ways of thinking, or so whether it's ways of working, you know, someone introduced Safe, for example, there, by the way, yeah. not a massive fan, but uh, that, that's by the by. We'll put that to one side. That's a different one. Yeah, maybe, it's, Dave, it's one of maybe David will invite us on a second one to talk about that. That, that could not be get me started on that. Yeah, <laughs> we could talk about that one later. But, uh... but for now, in terms, of, in terms of bringing these new things in, you've got choice. You either bring in a lot of expensive consultants, Capco, for example, or when I was a consultant, you can either bring in very expensive consultants, you kind of bring in new perm hires. This is a lot of extra cost. And that does not say you don't do it, but also imagine the scaling of that if you can get your own people learning and picking up these things and doing the, you know, I love hackathons and innovation weeks. I love them um, if they, when they're taken seriously because they do That's allow you to way. try things out in a low-risk environment that can lead to something and 90% of hackathon of things that come out of hackathons go nowhere but that's okay because that 10% can produce something beautiful at times and I really yeah. think it's great to, to really encourage that sort of thing and take it to the take it to the finance people you're saving money that that you know you demi that's a big win subscriptions yeah. probably saved you 150 grand by bringing in uh, an equivalent equivalent perm hire absolutely brilliant. And 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 to be a self learning thing on you know using one of those uh, tool sets. I mean, it's much cheaper and it's easy to sell to the execs as well. And and it feels like you've you've got more access to those things for a year, and you know teams can engage with it all year round. Um, small common and safe. I'm not a, I'm not a, you know a safe consultant or selling it. It's guys good points, guys bad points. I think with anything like safe, I think you've got to evolve it and fit it to what works. But I think it's got good ideas. Not all of them work, but some, you know, we've adjusted to now in a way that 
we get the teams engaged in the right way without overburdening it with a lot of uh, unnecessary jargon. But yeah, so we try to make it simplify as much as possible, really. Nice. Brilliant. Thanks, everyone, for, for your opinions on that. Um, Kat, if we could move on to your question, please. Sure. Happy to do that. So, so my question is in terms of um, thinking about the engineering platform teams, how do you balance moving fast and innovating with maintaining high quality and, and stability on the long term? I think it kind of ties a little bit with our previous discussion between short-term thinking and, and the long-term thinking. And I can, I can tell you where, where my question comes from. Uh, I, I, this question comes from, uh, inspired from the, the wall of confusion in, in, in DevOps, right? The phenomenon where one group in the investor stream approaches that job was being completed when they pass it on to the next uh, next group. And, and then now my, now my job is, is done. So how do you how do you balance that? Brilliant. Thanks, Kat. Um, Rita, if we could start with, with, with your answer on a, or opinion on that, please. Yeah, no problem. Um, what I say is I, I don't think there is this dichotomy that, that, that a lot of companies do seem to, to treat innovation and high quality. In fact, from a platform engineering perspective and, 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 and the teams, the whole point of platform engineering is to create that stability and quality to make it easy to innovate. You know, think of it as a having a, a strong defense in a football team, you know, a big, strong backbone, which allows your messies to go up there and do what they like. You know, I think it's absolutely vital that we don't ignore it. The platform engineering produces that stable, high quality environment with a very simplified uh, I'm going to use a Netflix term of paved road approach that allows our product engineering teams to do the innovation. That's where I feel that the innovation is its, it's most, uh, most relevant because innovation isn't just about new tech, right? Innovation, partly about new tech, but innovation is quite often about how we use that new tech, how we use tech. Um, you know, I, I, a book, um, I, I, if you haven't read it and I advise everyone to read it, uh, it's called, um, uh, what was it called? <laughs> it was by Matthew Sayed called uh, Rebel Thinking. I think it was Rebel Thinking. So have a read of that if you haven't read it. But in there, he talks about uh, the chief engineer from Nintendo, who was a very average student, didn't do particularly well, lived in the countryside in, in Japan somewhere. All the best students moved to Tokyo, but he wasn't. Uh, but he joined Nintendo. And what he started to do was take... Um, uh, existing tech and just found really interesting ways of using that tech and that was innovative and that is what propelled um, Nintendo from being I think they were started off as comic book writers I can't remember I think it was comic book into the electronics world you know I think I'm hoping I, I think I'm a little bit older than the both of you but you may remember the Game Boy Nintendo Game Boy from the early 90s potentially great you i was worried there for a second um but uh you know basic tech even for the time it was not innovative tech but the way it was used made it much better than the equivalent sega one that was out there the apple iphone more recent the apple iphone when that was first released that tech wasn't new that was so what we want to do is to give the opportunity for product to innovate by having that high quality stable environment platform that allows us to continuously try things out i use I, when i was a consultant i went to uh, a prospective client and i said to him look 
I was a consultant, so I was selling a little bit. But, you know, I'm, there's a bit of hyperbole here, but, you know, forgive me for that bit. But I, I went in and I said, look, I'm going to be able to create you an environment so that you can come to me in the morning and say you want something and I will get it out into production to customers' hands by the end of the day. That's the environment, the stability that you can do that. You can get it out there, experiment, and realize it's not the right thing because that's what we were trying to do. Let's let's get that out there. And I think you don't achieve innovation without that high-quality, high stable environment platform. I'll use the word platform because that's more accurate. Um, and to focus on that, the platform should be... When we're talking about innovation at that point, going back to what I said before, are we introducing technology or, or, or something in the platform that's going to benefit uh, what I described there, which is helping product teams innovate and produce products that delight? And if it's not, take your time, slow it down, don't speed it up. There's no reason to introduce uh, new Redis because uh, you've never used Redis before. There's no reason to introduce Redis within the next week. Take your time. Think about it. Is it the right thing to do? Um, you, you don't need to move from uh, ECS to Kubernetes in, in a couple of months. Do your exercises. Work out if it's the right thing. But uh, always ensure that the stability of that platform allows the innovation to happen at the point where it's most important, which is the customer, um, uh, where the customer sees it, that interface between you and the customer. That would be that's the view I take with platform engineering, um, and that's the that's the focus I always have. Great, thanks, Rita and and Hussein. Your 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 view on that question? Yeah. So, firstly, I've heard of the Drabble Thinking book. I've not read it, but it's supposed to be a good book. So, yeah, I'll, that might remind me again to push forward with that reading. But just to mention on the Game Boy. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the new Tetris. I don't think it's new anymore, but the Tetris movie on Apple, definitely worth watching because it's got the Nintendo bit in it. Uh, Nintendo one of the first one to put the Tetris game with their pack. But it's a really good watch. I would definitely recommend you watching that movie. It's, it's a fun watch. From, well, it's a fun watch for me anyway. My other half, on the other hand, she didn't enjoy it, but never mind. It was a bit of a nerdy movie. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Kat, if I can... So your question, when I, you know, when I heard your question just now, I divided up into three things in my head. Because you, you you talked about a few things, uh, you talked about stability, uh, delivering something, maintaining something, you know, stability and high quality. So if I can just focus on that for 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 a minute, for for us, stability first. And I'm not talking about production environments. I mean, you know, my team is yeah, we help with production environments, but we sort of deliver production environments to the production support teams who are under me, but to the, those teams, then we kind of move on to something new. For stability for me is also stability for development environments for test environments and things like that because you know we've got 400 developers logging into the environments built by my team who are then expecting to log in and do work and if they can't work we're, we're, we're literally just burning money and stability is the most important thing stable stabilizing not just production but non-production any other environments have to be always up and running well, not always, but obviously we turn them off in the evening. But in the morning, yeah, people are running and working and, you know, all set up to go. Uh, and not just, uh, you know, that, yeah, we're not going to worry about those environments. We have to make sure that everything first. So team knows that we, we prioritize stability in our environments first, uh, for sure. Quality. Um, everything we do. Uh, it's not based on a single individual going ahead and doing it. We have, you know, bro models going on. We have 
you know, two pairs of eyes, you know, all that kind of, you know, methodologies are being used to make sure that everything that's being delivered is to a high spec and is to a, a good level of quality that is reliable and things won't just break down after a couple of weeks. You know, it's not that uh, things will just keep on working, but also, you know, also updates and things like that and they're following all kinds of end of life processes and making sure uh, it's secure and things like that. So uh, all those things, we make sure that happens first. In terms of innovating, which is the most important part of, you know, trying to not just uh, making sure that my team isn't falling behind the tech and able to compete with other teams in Warpay where, you know, the people are innovating as well. So we want to be up front with, you know, uh, bleeding edge of technology, but also bringing in new things where we can make efficient choices. So um, the way we do it is a few things we do. I do try and throw in with problems. Uh, you know, uh, this is uh, from what we different to what we discussed last. I try to, we would be asked to do something and that would be the requirements of how we're going to deliver a piece of th- a piece of new code into production and what technologies could be put forward. And our, my challenge to the team would be to suggest how we would do something like that, whether it's using a, a new traditional database or we could do something different like streaming data using Kafka or, you know, uh, or some other sort of uh, uh, cloud-based sort of Cassandra sort of database or MongoDB, things like that. And, you know, my, my request to the team would be to provide some sort of a demo or something to show to teams how we can use those in the best way. And that way, even if you don't end up using it, I think the team has got some experience of trying to make it work. And even if we end up using an Oracle database in the end, that's fine. But what we have done is, is we have opened the company's eye to other products, which may be used in the future. And we've also been able to get the teams of the experience of those new products and, you know, just, just sort of propelled it along. And I think that's worked for us in the sense that we're now using Kafka after many years of trying to, you know, make use of it. And, uh, you know, it, it took a long time to get everyone on board, but it's helped us deliver that product into production in the cloud and is being used for one of our, uh, you know, uh, sort of boarding environments where we deliver fast boarding for customers, which used to take a couple of weeks, but now we've taken the time down from two weeks to, you know, like 10 minutes. Uh, and that's made a big difference. So it, those sort of things will allow us to keep innovating. But innovation, yeah, as, as I think Rita was saying as well, doesn't always mean that we will, yeah, we will be successful in that innovation from on the first project that we embark on. It might take a few iterations before we get there. But I think it's important to give the opportunity to teams to, uh, you know, provide the suggestions. And some you know, some team members, they have looked into technologies and they're technologists in their own right. And they want to be able to suggest things in way of improving things. Uh, it goes from, I mean, I've mentioned an example, which is quite big, but, you know, it's also things like, the way you deploy things or, you know, using Jenkins or CloudBees or using a different digital AI tool, maybe. So it's it's any part of that, allowing the teams to give their own suggestions. I think I found that is a lot more rewarding and fulfilling for them and me because I learn something new every time they do something like that. So, yeah, that's why I hope it answers uh, what you were uh, asking. Brilliant. Thanks for saying. Uh, and lastly, on this question, uh, Kat, if we could have your, your view on your question. Sure. Um, it, it does the same. Yeah, and the balancing act is is is, is obviously a, um, a complicated thing to do, especially in, in engineering, given the complexity of, of of the technology landscape, application landscape, the, the nature of the work, and what we're doing as well. I think I think it's important to to look at the differences also between what a platform team does and a traditional development team, right? From a 
from a focus, from a scope of work, from, from a, what success looks like as well. So if you look at, at the focus, for example, if, if for a, a, we can call it a product team, a feature team, depending on what, what kind of team topologies, team structures you're working with, the main goal is to deliver value to end users, right? Business, based on business requirements. Whereas in platform teams, focus is on the on the infrastructure the tools to enable those product teams to work more more efficiently so the main customers are usually internal ones the other engineers in the organization and the technology community as as, as a whole and then from a scope of work traditional development teams might, might work on, on a few closely related projects um, uh, at a time, whereas in contrast, the platform teams work on systems and tools across multiple projects, multiple teams. So the, the cognitive load is very different and higher than, 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 than the feature teams and, 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 and uh, value stream teams because they're working on, on, on things that are supporting all, all the other software development practices as well. And, and to my last point about success, um, what do we have? So, for traditional development teams, success is typically measured by things like delivering features, user satisfaction, uh, revenue generated. We touched on this in, in the back in the beginning. I think Rita, you, you mentioned it as well. For, for platform teams, success is often measured by metrics like improved developer productivity, reduced time to market for a new feature, increased uptime, uh, fewer production incidents, depending on what, what, what you're focusing on, uh, as well as, as, as a platform team, because the shopping list for what the, platform team could do is it can vary from an organization to other depending on when they are in the, in the journey as well. I've seen platform teams where the scope was to reduce costs. I saw platform teams where, the, where their scope was to improve, improve productivity, focus on delivery pipelines and enable feature teams to de develop the next feature as, as, as fast as possible. In other in other areas was to improve security and compliance. So it could it could vary quite quite a lot on, on, on what success looks like. Uh, Coming back, we will summarize like how how the balancing the balancing act works. I think there's a lot of things that we can we can borrow from from DevOps culture, from from CI/CD pipelines, from automated testing, from things and practices that we've seen that they work for 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 an end-to-end -end delivery. Things like enable teams for enable application teams, feature teams to do progressive rollouts, for example. And then we should never forget about the, the architecture and design principles as well. Prioritize architecture simplicity on what you're building, uh, sound technical foundations, make it easier to, to maintain and scale over time. Um, so I think that's, that, that, that's why I would like to conclude my answer. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Kat. And thanks everyone for the for the view on that question. And uh, lastly, if, if we could finish off with with your question, please, Reader, um, and then we'll go straight to you, Hussein, for for your for your answer and view on that question. Sure. Cool. No problem. Um, uh, great discussion so far, everyone. So uh, I really appreciate it. Picked up a lot uh, already. Um, my question is: um, What is the why? What is the purpose that you tell your platform engineering teams? What is why why are they doing what they're doing? Um, uh, the the motivation behind this question is, I learned maybe a few years back. Whenever I join a new company, join a new team, join a new set of teams, I like to start off with a team charter, and that team charter always starts off with the why. Explain why we're here. Explain what we're doing. Now, I run a platform engineering function that has eight separate teams, 60-odd engineers. How do they all focus on the one area? So that's, that's my question. Um, um, and I say, 
Rita, I absolutely love your question, by the way, because it's a good way to conclude what we've discussed so far. And uh, it kind of brings it all together. Why is always the biggest thing? How, how do I, you know, how do I sell my team? How do I sell the roles within my team to other individuals that who I want to either join my team or become part of the team? And that is the biggest thing. Otherwise, you know, I don't really have a role to run, to be honest. Um, so, again, just going back to what I said earlier before, when I first started and I saw a culture in Warpay where you would write a design and put it on a SharePoint site and someone would be in charge of deliver it. But that was so disjointed. And it was like these guys in this corner of the on this floor will somehow deliver you some infrastructure eventually. You know, it might take some years or month, uh, several months, but you would get something you need eventually. And it might not be too spec, but you'll get something. I want to change that. And when I first got into my role, uh, my current role, uh, um, slightly with some promotions eventually, um, it was about showing something we should do differently. And I solved it by discussing the why and, you know, how was it, what's the, what would be the purpose of the team that I'm trying to build? And it took obviously almost two years to get to where I am now with that. Um, but it's to provide closeness with the development and test teams and, and providing excellent delivery and uh, to our the customer stakeholders. Not the, oh, this is going to take, who knows, some sort of a finger in the air amount of time to deliver deliver you an environment that you need, whether it's some new product that you want to try out and we will take six months of time to engineer it into our current setup. Uh, and none of that was working. So so my my tagline of, you know, is basically extensively to all our customers and stakeholders. That's just not internal stakeholders or customers. It's all the indirect customers that are outside and all our partners and everyone that we deliver to. They're also my customers as well, my team's customers, and that's what we what we try to do. So you know, that's dev test product managers, excellent, uh, you know, excellent customers as well. Um, and um, you know, with 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 the current setup, with the small system teams being close to dev and test, I think my team has found more purpose. They work with the team, you know, close close to them every day. They part of the standups. They you know provide uh, during the planning sessions. They provide fair estimates and delivery timelines. They're engaged on a weekly basis on how and the the, diff, the changes they're making or the things that they're working on, they know has a direct impact on how this product gets eventually to market and how we'll make money uh, for our customers and for the company. So I think what I found is that that turned something on within those in, in my infrastructure engineers, and they found that that's a better way to work and deliver than what they were doing in the past, which was that, yeah, they'll have to deliver some infrastructure sitting in a, in a, in a data center somewhere. Um, they got close to their customers. They found, you know, what what they need. And then that helped them prioritize the work accordingly as well, because they saw the impact of the delivery firsthand. They saw that a sprint team or a development sprint team were really happy because they got the environment within four days instead of waiting three or four months. That would, would have been the case in the past, how they were, we were working before. So that made the that made the you know big difference. And the other thing that uh, you know is what defined the purpose is 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 um, working with other individuals which are also at their level. So you know we had a mixture of team and not everyone's superstar on a team. You know I'm not saying every one individual in my team it would be a you know a plus superstar, but we have a good mixture. And how do we divide the team is to make sure that there's high high caliber individuals with maybe a bit less caliber individuals, but who are maybe quieter but deliver the same output, except they're not very, you know, they don't like to sit there and speak about what they've done. So we kind of mix the teams up. 
we allow uh, you know a mixture of those you know really experienced guys working with some junior guys sometimes and you know get everyone moving in the same direction you know normally is you're trying to make sure that there's upskilling and they're also working on the interesting bit so also not make also making sure that not everyone's working on tedious tasks because you know we share the tedious tasks but we also take on the more exciting new technological tasks or new requirements that are more interesting so i think that has given people purpose to be able to deliver uh more uh, efficiently and also keep them engaged and also you know more importantly for me retaining them because once i upskill them and give them everything they need they might be joining someone else you know so, so i don't want that i want to obviously and it's not all about my money it's all about the work we're doing and giving them that you know freedom to express themselves and showing them that they are making a difference on a literally on a daily basis and weekly basis when they all talk on the stand-ups and say what they've done so so yeah i hope that was helpful Thanks for saying. And, and yourself, Kat, your, your opinion on that? Sure, I can, I can go back on this one. So, so I think purpose, why, is, is, is fundamental to any individual or, or team, right? It, it, it ties up with their motivation, their performance, their overall success, right? It provides a clear understanding of what, what is your role, what is the value that you bring to the organization. So I, I absolutely love the question as well. Uh, they apply to an individual or a team as well. Uh, if you look at, uh, at for example, um, uh, Daniel Pink with, with his book on 2010 Drive, uh, he talks about giving people a, a map, mastery, autonomy, purpose. Purpose is one of the three. It's super important for employees to drive engagement and, and uh, get get the best performance outputs from, from, from everyone as well. I think also why needs to transfer top-down in the organization from, from, from the top layers to the bottom layers as well, from, from, from CEO to everyone in the company. It, it is tied up with vision, mission, and then strategies to achieve that, right? What we want to accomplish in the next year is that there's the vision. We want to grow the business. We want to expand into different regions, capabilities, areas, whatever. Mission is talking about creating an actionable vision statement. So something that will give the vision lines and traction, right? How do how do we how do we achieve the, the the vision? How do we make it actionable? Whereas strategy is obviously is about doing different things, adopting different ways, um, using the, the mission to achieve the, the vision, the, the plans, the initiative. So super important when it comes to, to top down as well. And now if we draw down to the to the to the question to the, the platform team as well, it obviously the 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 why is around what is the purpose we, we kind of touched a little bit on on a shopping list of what what a, what a platform team can can do but generally broadly is about building and maintaining um, scalable ideally efficient software platforms that that serve as a backbone for for the product application teams but this isn't just about writing code right? it's about creating the foundation that allows the organization to deliver high-quality products and, and services efficiently, effectively to the customers. By focusing on the platform, the systems, tools, and processes that underpin software development, the platform team is empowering others to focus on creating the best possible features experiences for the end users, right? So in, in essence, the, the why for me is, is, is a mixture of three things. Is... We touched on it already, enabling innovation. I think that that's super important as, as a platform team to allow the software delivery teams to, to focus on what is important for them, what is important to deliver to customers, and, and enabling in a non-innovative way to, to achieve that. Two is about ensuring quality as, as a platform team. 
and, and as leaders in the organization as well, this is something that that provides governance on, on, on the other team as well, because if, if quality and, and innovation as well, if, if it's developed in silos in different teams, that's probably not going to cascade down to, to the other parts of the organizations, because what was going to be more complicated for, for, for it to bubble up. Um, so ensuring quality. And the third thing is about contributing to your company's success and growth right to the broader tech community as we spoke before because if your internal customers are the engineers in the tech community and this is what, what your goals are contributing to and this is where having alignment frameworks help as well because not, not everyone is using something like OTRs not everyone is using things like like API planning so Creating that alignment between different parts of the organization, I think it ties back to the initial purpose of the of the platform teams uh, as well. If it's just KPIs, uh, individual KPIs, and silos KPIs, right? It's, it's not going to help with what, what is the purpose of, of what I'm doing, especially for uh, something shared service, shared, shared tools as the platform team is. And just, really? just one Sorry. thing as well. Um, I, I wanted to add something about um, the, the fact that Every line of code, every every system architecture decision, every every problem um, solved plays a part in, in maintaining the integrity of the platform, and and shaping the future products as well, and, and delivering value to the users. And I think that, that that's super important as well because the decisions that you're making in in, in, in platform teams can have a massive ripple effect on on the other teams as well. So that's that ties up with the why as well. Can, can I just say one thing? I think we said it very well put, and I think. One thing I did didn't say was that yeah, bridging teams. It's all about bridging. Now, providing that bridge between teams is quite quite critical. Otherwise, you just find that you know you start silos, and that's what we. That's what I'm always trying to avoid: is silos and bridge as much as possible. So yeah, thank you for that. Great, thanks, Car. Uh, and uh, and lastly, uh, reader, if we could have your your view on your question. Yeah, thank you very much, everyone. On that. Um, Obviously, I asked the question, so I obviously believe the why and the purpose is vitally important. And actually, I, I think I've hinted quite strongly in, in our conversations already about where my my mind is from a platform engineering team. And I think you start with that and everything else becomes easier to work out. Everything else becomes easier to understand. Um, if I was to make, a, and this is the one place that I'm, I'm reading off some notes because I'm try, I want to make this... I think I think the purpose has to be unambiguous. I think it has to be clear and 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 concise as well, so that people can fall behind it and and you can grow from that. And I think the one liner I would use or I do use for my platform engineering teams is is that I want to make it easy. That our purpose is to make it easy to produce features and products that delight our customers. Just make it easy. You know, that is the core purpose of what we're doing. And we do that by, and I'm going to use air quotes here, though that doesn't work on audio, but, but we do that by um, uh, making the unimportant decisions for our product engineering teams, taking away those unimportant decisions. And I, I do it as air quotes. The unimportant is because those decisions are vital, but they're not the things that our customers see. Like, does a customer care whether we're using Kubernetes or ECS? Does a customer care whether we're using Java or Kotlin or Go? Does a customer care whether we use um, uh, what are the other exciting texts that we're talking about these days? Redis, Kafka, uh, SNS, whatever else we have out there. They, they don't really care. 
but they they're vital and they have to work but we may by by taking that away and making those decisions simply as possible you mentioned cat the cicd tooling that we we talk about here or the infrastructure is saying that you've mentioned quite a bit these are all important bits but also things like how easy is it to build screens you know but one of my platform engineering teams isn't an infrastructure or a pipeline team. They're a, they're, a, they're a team that provides the front end framework, just the framework. Everyone builds their own UI, but they build the framework so that your navigation and, and the look and feel, that's all set for you because it makes it easy. Um, uh, I, I kind of see these unimportant decisions, these, these bits of the platform, think of it as backing singers for, for to Mariah Carey. Right. If it's gone well, you don't even know anything about those backing singers. They're just there harmonizing with Mariah and you're going, wow, she can really hit those high notes Mariah Carey can. Right? But when it goes wrong, if that backing singer's screaming and you notice her then you or, or him, then you know it's all gone wrong. And I feel that's the same with our platform. You know, if we're done well, if we've done our job well, our customers are talking about uh, a feature that came up with Monzo a while back. Lovely little feature, very tiny. Was they they sent me a message saying, "Oh, we notice you're getting paid tomorrow. You can use that money today if you like." Lovely little feature. They just they just threw it out there. Yeah, I've never used it, um, but they they threw it out there. It's a feature that delights. I don't know about any of the underlying tech, and as long as that underlying tech works, I never need to know about it. I'm just caring about that, and that's what we are. We're kind of that. We're the backing singers. We're the we're the defenders. The uh, platform engineering are those bits, and then I think that's the why that we can make that happen. You know, when you go to watch your football matches, you do want to go see your Messi dribble past three people, but you don't really notice that PK or PO both retired now. Um, but yeah, are there preventing anything else happening? So I think I think that's the why. That's what we're there for. That's what platform engineering is there for. Um, and that's the message I always give to my teams to to focus on that. And if anything we're doing isn't about making it easier to produce products that delight, then it's probably not bringing value. So we step back and don't do it. Um, and that's my answer. Brilliant. Thanks, Rita. Um, before we end the podcast, I'd, I'd, I'd just like to say a, a huge thanks to all our guests today for, for sharing your thoughts and ideas throughout the conversation. It's been been really enjoyable. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, once again, our guests on today's podcast have been uh, Rida from, from Vonage, uh, Hussein from WorldPay and Catalin from Capco. Um, if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, please just drop me a message across and I can I can make the necessary arrangements. And finally, if you're hiring for a new technical roles or potentially looking for a new role in the future, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. Um, I'm Dave McPherson, and you can find me on LinkedIn or you can email me at davee.macphereson at evolutionjobs.co.uk or simply visit our website, which is evolutionjobs.com forward slash UK. And once again, thank you so much uh, to our guests today for, for, for their opinion and contributing to the podcast. I hope you've all enjoyed listening again.